Rebels, this is Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're listening to a free audio-only recording of my weekly Wednesday night show, The Gun Show. Tonight my guest is someone I have to have on the show due to popular demand, but I love having him on the show anyway. It's my Rebel colleague, Kean Bexty, and we're talking about everything from Trudeau's gun grab to... Kean himself being grabbed by an RCMP officer for just trying to do his job and attend a Trudeau press conference. Now, if you like listening to the show, then I promise you're going to love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-form TV-style shows here on Rebel News. Subscribers get access to my show as well as other great long-form TV-style shows too, like Ezra's Nightly, Ezra Levant Show, and David Menzies' fun Friday night show, Rebel Roundup, where you'll sort of see us rebels talking casually about the stories that we covered over the week. Now, to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus, just go to rebelnews.com slash subscribe. It's only eight bucks a month. I think it is a steal of a deal. If you only got Ezra's show for eight bucks a month, it would be a steal. But you also get David's show and my show too. And if you like the show, and I bet you do, why don't you leave a five-star review wherever you find podcasts? Because those reviews are a great way to support the show without ever having to spend a dime, but it also helps other people find us too. Okay, that's enough of the business. Let's get to the show. In Calgary, it's okay to protest with thousands of other people, but it's not okay to feed the homeless in the age of social distancing. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're watching The Gun Show. all the time but it is a really strange time to be alive don't you think apparently it's far too dangerous for calgarians to go to their churches to worship or to feed the homeless but it's perfectly acceptable for calgarians to join together with thousands of other people to protest at least according to the protesters racism happening in another country to be clear i think all of these things are probably pretty safe Mainstream media reporters are also outraged at reporters being arrested in the middle of riots in the United States. They're getting caught up in the confusion. While at the same time, these Canadian reporters are turning a blind eye to Justin Trudeau using the RCMP to throw a rebel journalist out of press conferences here in Canada. Tonight's gun show guest is here by popular demand, and he's here to talk about, well, everything from the comparisons of the rioting happening in the United States to peaceful Hong Kong protests. He's also here to talk about what he saw when he went to Calgary's so-called anti-racism protests the other day. And he's here to talk about the time the RCMP got a little too handsy with him at a Justin Trudeau press conference. And he's also here to talk about Justin Trudeau's gun grab. I know, it's, it's a lot. And I don't want to keep you waiting, so let's get right into this. This is my Rebel News colleague, Kean Bexty, in an interview we recorded yesterday afternoon.
from his home in Calgary is my friend, Rebel colleague, Kian Bexty. Uh, Kian, thanks for joining me. I'm just giving the people what they want because when I do these live streams with David, it's always like, when is Kian coming on? Or can you have Kian on your show? I'm here to give the people what they want. I'm a woman of the people. Uh, so Kian, um, the first thing I wanted to talk to you about is the crazy, I guess it was Black Lives Matters, Antifa, NDP protests that unfolded in Calgary. It seemed actually a little bit more well attended than I would like to see a Calgary uh, left-wing protest be. Yeah, uh, it was a little bit concerning how many Antifa flags were in the crowd. It was supposed to be sort of, and I, I suppose, who knows what it was really supposed to be at the end of the day, but what a lot of people hoped that it would be, at least the NDPers on Twitter, who at least have some sort of restraint and an idea of how to like push political movements, they were hoping that it was going to be this nonviolent, really sort of, you know, good feeling support black lives kind of thing, stop police brutality, whatever, fine, they can do what they want. But it was infiltrated quite clearly by Antifa. Uh, it was infiltrated by uh, radical folks who were calling for uh, violence. It was infiltrated by people who were calling the police force a pandemic and equating the Calgary Police Service to the KKK. Uh, just people that are really, really out of touch with um with the difference between Canada and the United States. They're, they they are on an IV drip of CNN and MSNBC, and they think that what happened to George Floyd in Minneapolis happens frequently in Canada. So I asked them, that was my main question on the streets, is uh, can you give me an example of police brutality against a black individual here in Canada? Give me one example, please. And nobody could come up with any. So. I'm not sure they even knew what they were there to protest. They just wanted a part of the action, a part of the fun. Thank God it didn't break down into uh, looting like it has across the rest of the continent. Yeah, I saw someone on Twitter say that, um, you know, don't worry about looting in downtown Calgary. Nenshi already did that <laughs> um, and, and leveled uh, basically Calgary's downtown. I did think it was funny, though, because I would suggest that you've actually probably been a victim of police brutality. Um, so I thought it was funny for you to be asking these questions about police brutality to people who would probably, if you put it to them, tell you that you deserved that. I thought that was kind of interesting. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it was kind of funny, um, you know, to see them encouraging, you know, telling police to take a knee. And then when you sort of push them on that. Oh, I don't want to talk about that. I'm an old lady. I think that was probably <laughs> my favorite clip. The old lady who's doing deep knee lunges. When you stop yeah. to talk, ask her about stuff, oh no, then she's just a frail little old lady. But that's usually the how things go in these left-wing protests is that the second you sort of needle them for information about why they're there, they hide behind um, whatever demographic they exist as. So whether they're, you know, you, you can't, you can't talk to me about that I, I'm old or I'm gay or I'm whatever. It's whatever's social justice thing that they identify as, that becomes their personal shield from criticism. Yeah, and I was, like you said earlier, I was surprised with how many people were at that protest, uh, rally, demonstration, march, whatever it was. It was at 7 a.m. on a Monday, and there were thousands probably probably around 1500 to 2000 people there which really illustrates a different problem that canada and 
particularly Calgary is facing that they should be protesting about is that the federal government is leaving them unemployed in a position where they can run around downtown Calgary shouting, screaming, and on the verge of violence. These people were very, many of them were unhinged. Some of them were very restrained and, and had a message that they wanted to talk about. But a lot of them, especially the ones carrying the Antifa flag, a flag of a terrorist organization, according to Donald Trump, um, they were really unhinged. And it was the middle of a workday on Monday. That's the much bigger problem that they should be concerned about. There's no pr- police brutality against, like, a racialized police brutality in Canada. Yeah. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. It just doesn't exist. The, the brutality is the federal government beating the hell out of the upward economy. Now, I wanted to ask you, did you see any enforcement of these social distancing regulations happening? Because you did some Fight the Fines work, and people can see that at fightthefines.com, where a Christian pastor was fined for, I, I think it was giving out sandwiches in the exact place as these protests. So it looks like it's okay to be a member of Antifa and protest, but it's not okay to feed the homeless in the city of Calgary. Yeah, which I, I'm, ex- I'm I'm happy that I was there to document it because I actually got the police recorded saying uh, we were told by command not to issue any tickets because the right to protest supersedes that that uh, social distancing order, which I find very curious because in the Charter of Rights and Freedoms under Fundamental Freedoms Section A guarantees the rights uh, freedoms of conscience and religion. And then I think it's section C in that same fundamental freedoms list that guarantees freedom of assembly uh, and association. Uh, I think those ones are the point being they're all the, they're they're all in the same list of freedoms. You, it's not a buffet. You don't get to pick which ones you're going to enforce on Monday and which ones you're going to enforce on Sunday. That doesn't it doesn't work like that. But for some reason, the Calgary Police Service were specifically targeting Christian pastors, pastors. And we know it was specifically targeting them because it was on two different occasions in two different areas two different christian pastors uh, with two different churches they went and gave them thousands of dollars in fines and some of them in some cases gave them repeated fines for just coming back having the audacity to practice their religion the next week and these folks they got a pass just because there was what a lot of them if anything that should make it worse that should make it worse that there were so many people in such close quarters they're putting them alive, or at least they'll be the first people to say that that and that Christian pastor was putting the lives of seniors and vulnerable people at risk, people with compromised immune systems and respiratory systems. They're, they're, they would tell those Christian pastors that they were being selfish for feeding the homeless, might I add. But those people protesting, calling for uh, the d- dismantlement mm-hmm. of police departments, calling them the police pandemics and the KKK, and saying uh, there was one person... Uh, Actually, I probably shouldn't say it on the stream, but, um, you know, these these people, uh, they why are their rights being protected over the rights of religious people? I think everyone's rights should be protected. Yeah. Uh, I, I, my problem is that I don't think that they should be picking and choosing. Yeah, I agree. I think um, like this last week's Karens are this week's Antifa protesters. These are the same people who would call the cops on you for going into Walmart without a mask. And then this yeah. week they're protesting police brutality because 
um, for these people, it truly seems as though uh, for them, their church is the state and control. Um, and it is interesting to see how this protest was treated by Calgary police versus what I saw unfolding in Edmonton um, when a, like a ragtag bunch of people, and I'll be quite honest here, um, a loosely organized anti-gun grab protest unfolded on the steps of the legislature and in moved the sheriffs and the Edmonton City Police and physically moved people off the steps of the legislature, ticketed them, I think it was $1,200. Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms is helping them with that. Um, and they were social distancing. <laughs> they weren't anywhere near anybody else. And we did see Jason Kenny weigh in and say, okay, uh, we need to have a full examination of what happened here because they were, we have to balance the right to protest with these ridiculous regulations. And, and where, where is Doug Schweitzer? He's Doug Schweitzer <laughs> sitting in the legislature while that, while that uh, protester was being arrested on the front steps of the legislature. Where was he standing up for his rights? And then I'm sure this week, Doug Schweitzer is going to be virtue signaling. He's probably posting a black Instagram photo right now saying that we should be listening to black people and we should be shutting up and letting them talk while he is arresting white people for doing what? For protesting and for exercising their own rights. It's insane. The people that are being targeted unfairly here were the people in front of the legislature. And Doug Schweitzer gave everyone in that rally, thousands of people, a free pass to now go on and go speak with their grandmothers, speak with their siblings who might have asthma, uh, and they are going to be putting pressure on the healthcare system, but they're not getting tickets. No, 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 because their rights are more important than everyone else's. Now, moving on to the next thing I wanted to talk to you about, it's um, something I alluded to earlier, and that is the uh, police brutality that you experienced at um, Justin Trudeau's daily morning show where lazy journalists ask a simple man easy questions. You went there, you tried to um, attend, just like every other journalist seems to be attending these things, except you're not like every other journalist. You have tough questions you want to ask. And you were strong-armed by the RCMP, and I think everybody's seen that footage. Um, and the reason I want to talk to you about this is because we're seeing a lot of public outcry from... Canadian journalists now all of a sudden that American journalists are being hassled as they report on these race riots, I guess, happening in the United States. They're outraged at these American journalists who are getting confused for rioters, it seems like, by the police. And yet, mum's the word when it comes to Kean Bexy getting his arm bent behind his back and uh, marched off the uh, Rideau compound. Uh, what do you have to say about this uh, double standard from the mainstream media? It's always a double standard with the mainstream media. It's a double standard when it comes to, um, you know, the facts that they look about, look at on police brutality. Uh, it, it's a double standard when uh, they're complaining to the masses about who gets priority questions or who gets led into these areas at all. Uh, as you mentioned, I was strong-armed out of the Rideau compound, and not even a week later, uh, Travis some, something from Global News, who's uh, part of the Toronto uh, Bureau for Global News covering Queen's Park and Doug Ford, he's been complaining that he hasn't gotten a question all week. Can you imagine? 
Cinderella. <laughs> because he asked a tough question. And granted, the question was uh, pretty tough. It was asking for Doug Ford to hold himself accountable and does he take responsibility for the state of uh, long-term care homes, um, which is a whole nother conversation to have about uh, those being public or privatized. But uh, the guy said that that question was a little bit too harsh and now he hasn't gotten a question uh, given to him by partisan staffers at Doug Ford's office. It's the same problem we're facing right now, except for we've never gotten a question. We've been calling and calling and burned two months of my life trying to yeah. call and get into this place. Uh, and it's just never worked out. But he doesn't get a question in, in a week. And, well, Global News is sounding the alarm bells. It is a total double standard. It's a total joke. They obviously only care about themselves. They don't care about asking tough questions. They just want um, they just want the attention. Yeah, and it's funny how, I guess, how insular they are. Like, we've mm -hmm. been having this fight very publicly with the Trudeau government. I guess the fight goes back to the Debates Commission. We've been fighting for journalistic access, and we've been very public about it. The people who like us know about it, and even some of the people who hate us know about it. But this gaggle of reporters, uh, you'd think that you would know about these battles for press freedom because you're a journalist and you care about press freedom. But they really have no idea about the work that we are doing and the money that we are spending to not only protect our right to report, but theirs too, their right to ask Doug Ford a question if they so choose, if they ask a tough question and get booted. They just don't care because they don't like the people who are doing the work they aren't willing to do. Yeah, you're right about that. I, when I first started at The Rebel, I thought that the CBC and Global News and CTV, they were all out to get us. They were, they were specifically silencing and ignoring stories that we broke or, or, or not even... Uh, crediting us when we break stories, like when you broke Omar Cotter, uh, and whereas he was hiding his money, they took that story and then just sort of republished it after the National Post sort of washed it. Uh, I think that they are not actually doing this maliciously. I think that they're just incompetent. I think that their circles, their journalism school circles, are so close-knit yeah. Uh, that every journalist in Canada knows every journalist. I mean, every mainstream media journalist knows every other mainstream media journalist from Calgary to Toronto uh, because they all live in Toronto. They all live in Ottawa. You might even notice that the Globe and Mail has a new Calgary-based reporter uh, that is going to cover all stories Calgary. But guess where she's living? She's living in Toronto. These yeah. people all know each other, and if it's outside of their bubble, it's foreign to them, and they, it just goes right over their head. So when they hear stories that we break, they just assume that this, the person that told them it is giving them some sort of like secret tip, and they've never even watched Rebel News. I'm sure of it at this point, because yeah. you couldn't post like that saying, oh, tra like talking about Travis's week-long plight to ask a question. You couldn't post about something like that and not know that we've had several videos go viral across Canada where a significant portion of the Canadian population has seen me get dragged out of Rideau Cottage while I'm trying to ask the Prime Minister a question and not even allude to that to that issue or that story. It's just these, these people are a joke. Well, yeah, and it, they actually are getting the story wrong when they do try to tell the story. I noticed Sean O'Shea from, again, Global News, he said, you know, we... 
we are agitators. We thumb our noses at police or stick out their thumbs at police, I think is what he said, which I don't know. I'm not hitchhiking with the police. I don't know what he meant by that. But then he also said, you know, and they violate court injunctions. I'm sorry. We don't violate court injunctions. We get court injunctions. We get court injunctions to enforce our right to report like we did with the debates commission. We don't violate court orders, but he's repeating that completely verbatim. He heard it somewhere else. And so it's just like telephone, you know, repeat the lie, repeat the lie, repeat the lie. All of a sudden you believe it and it becomes part of the ethos. And I think that's what's happening. Like they heard somewhere along the line that we are white supremacist. And instead of actually going to the source and saying, are they really white supremacists? Cause that sounds a little bit crazy given that they're a Jewish owned and operated company and they've done all this work for persecuted Christian minorities. And you know, they, they have like a multi-ethnic office. That seems a bit crazy. Let's go look and see the work they do. They never do that. They just keep repeating it. Someone I trust said it. So I'll just keep going down the line. And you know, it makes you question the integrity of the work they do if they can't even do basic research on the people they're being critical of. I've learned not to trust them for any reason whatsoever, because when it when it's important, you, you they've been they've been factually proven to be accurate time and time again. And that's when it's important, when it's when it's when it's not a totally non-important story. Uh, just like a, a public interest local story. These people are the same thing. Cheetahs don't change their spots. They're always lying, and you can never tell why they're doing it, what they have to gain from their lies. They just do it, and it's like it, it's like an instinct to them to not tell the truth and to spin it however they want and pretend like they're not biased. We here at Rebel News, we are biased. You can see from my shirt, I might be a fan of Donald Trump in some way, shape, or form. You might not like Hillary Clinton, but <laughs> let you know that we let our viewers know yeah. what we think, why we're thinking it so that when they hear news from our mouths, they understand the perspective that it's coming from so that they can make informed decisions about how they vote, about where they're going to put their money, about where they're going to boycott, about what petitions they're going to sign, because they know that we are being honest with, with our perspective. Whereas with CBC News, they'll never tell you where they're coming from. They'll, they'll tell you they're they're totally non-biased they're not they're not left-wing they're not right-wing they're not even centrist the news they're give, giving you is totally just bland plain plain as day news but the next uh, the next like and here's what I find really funny is just a few days ago I think it was two days ago a CBC reporter jumped ship and got a free ride at the liberal press office in Newfoundland. And uh, David Cochran, Rosemary's second in command in Ottawa. Was, He's the was poutine guy. Twitter. <laughs> yeah. He's the what? He's the poutine guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was congratulating him on Twitter. Like, good job. Like, not e without any sort of hint of introspection or understanding how people are seeing this that he's applauding a reporter for making his next career move to the Liberal Party. Like, that's just the standard operating procedure of a Liberal, uh, of a CBC reporter's career. Like, they're, they're, they're tone deaf. I, I, I'm lost at a loss of, for words for how stupid some of these people are. Well, we saw the same thing unfold in Alberta. I think it was two dozen journalists uh, jumped ship 
to go work for the NDP. They basically just helped the NDP get elected and then went and colonized the NDP. Um, I mean, it was truly a reward for a job well done um, for their lack of criticism and their lack of investigation into who and what the NDP were in 2015. And, uh, you know, it's it's not a difficult move for these journalists. It's not an ideological struggle. It's just like a, a step across, like it's a total lateral move. Now, there's something I wanted to ask you about, because I see a lot of this on social media. And I know this is kind of near and dear to your heart. I see people comparing these violent riots to the fight for freedom in Hong Kong and not comparing the difference in uh, protest style, but actually making the um, the uh, comparison that these are sort of on par with each other. And uh, I'm willing to bet that you would take a great deal of umbrage with that. Okay, you are right on the money, Sheila. <laughs> and I'm, I'm so interested in the story right now that the Chinese propagandists are pumping out uh, because they're trying, and you, you know when, when the Chinese propagandists are saying something, they have something over here that they're trying to, they're, yeah. they're trying to distract you with, and then something over here is actually happening. Uh, and they're saying right now that the, Hong, that the riots in the United States are somehow linked to the Hong Kong riots. Like the the civil unrest somehow has something to do. They they, they are they are run by similar people. They're run by anarchists. Uh, and and you're kind of scratching your head. You're like, well, why are they saying that? And then the next day that that article came out from Global Times, for some reason, outside of the White House, uh, in that square, Lafayette Square, uh, in front of the riot police. There was someone shouting, quick, we need to leave right now in Chinese. Now, I thought, well, I was curious. So I got my uh, I got my friend from Hong Kong to to listen to that audio and say, is this Cantonese or is this in Mandarin? And it was in Mandarin. Now, if you know anything about politics and, and, and demographics in China, Mandarin is the language of mainland China. It is the language of Beijing. It is the language of the Communist Party of China. And Cantonese is the language of, of Hong Kong and a little bit Macau. Uh, and if it was really a Hong Kong rioter that just happened to be in Washington, D.C., they'd be speaking Cantonese. Of course not. They were speaking Mandarin. It's, I, and I don't want to be that person that calls it early and says, yeah, that was Chinese operative there. But, I mean, why were they doing that? Yeah, and you see these, um, you know, these Chinese outlets online um, and either they're cheering for the unrest in the United mm -hmm. States or they are looking to, I don't know how to phrase it, they're looking to equate the unrest and the rioting in the United States to the um, protests for freedom, the peace, incredibly peaceful protests for freedom in Hong Kong. And Trump is going to, and it's already started, crack down on this mob violence um, very hard um, with the force of the state. And I think the Chinese are looking to use that opportunity to do the same in Hong Kong. Yeah, in all cases, what they're trying to do is discredit the American government. Mm -hmm. um, in, in everything they publish in all of their operations overseas, they're trying their best to 
um, to, to destabilize Donald Trump and stabilize uh, the American public, uh, civil, uh, the, the, the um, just the general public and, and the government. Uh, and they do that by trying to say that somehow the American government um, is is brutal, is, is brutalizing black people, uh, and and putting up propaganda in their in their many different ways that they do. Uh, but the difference between the American government and the government in Hong Kong could not be more stark. In the American government, you don't have people storming the speaker's chair and surrounding them with security so that they can hold uh, the speaker uh, speaker position of of committees. Um, people in the United States are duly elected. There's a democratic country, and it's clear uh, how their government operates. But in Hong Kong, even people living in Hong Kong can't understand why their government is collapsing so quickly at the hands of Beijing. They can't explain why there's armed security surrounding the dais uh, in in the the legislature in Hong Kong. They don't they don't even get what's going on because Beijing already has an iron fisted grip on that on that Pacific city there. So um, comparing the two is, is a complete farce. Uh, and anytime that you see something like that, you, you should be even more critical. You should be about as critical as you are of the mainstream media because it is likely Chinese propaganda if you're seeing something along the lines of that. Yeah, and um, we are no um, strangers to seeing the mainstream media repeat Chinese propaganda verbatim. I think the entire coronavirus outbreak has been just a big exercise in that. Um, Kian, I think you have one petition uh, out there right now, um, hands off our guns. Um, you and I were talking off camera that, um, well, I had mentioned that I did get the little pamphlet in the mail from the RCMP saying, hey, some of your guns might be declassified or reclassified um, to prohibited. We don't know what they are and things are changing. So check the website and things are changing um, because uh, last week the RCMP reclassified a 410 bird gun. So like <laughs> a little kid's first shotgun, like the one you get when you turn eight. Um, the RCMP have reclassified that one. So while Justin Trudeau says that this is military style assault weapons, no, these are like kids' guns and ladies' 22s. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. outrageous. Yeah. Uh, there's there's so many reasons why you sh why why folks should be signing that petition, uh, hands off our guns, from the complete list mismanagement and undemocratic process that they followed to restrict these guns, uh, to the fact that one of these guns you might own and it might have been given to you from your grandfather, uh, you yeah. inherited it from him. I know that that's the case for me. Luckily, me none of those firearms uh, were on that list, but I, I did get firearms from, from my grandfather and uh, he's not here anymore. And I remember him best from from that gun that I have in my safe. It's something that him and I shot gophers with when I was young. Uh, and, and if Justin Trudeau was to take that away from me, it would be heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, imagine Justin Trudeau walking into your house and saying, no, that blanket that your mother knit for you when you were a child, that teddy bear that you got, uh, no, that has to come with me. That's actually that's actually the government's property now. You have to sell it to me for $2. Uh, it's insane. Nobody would, nobody would agree to that. But because there's a bunch of white liberals in Toronto saying that guns are spooky and scary, and I'm scared of, uh, I, I see guns and I hear guns on the news of people getting shot in Toronto uh, because there, it's gang violence, and those were actually illegal guns. You in rural, rural ass Alberta need to give me your your 
the, your, this prized possession of yours. That's absolutely insane. So go to if, if they go to handsoffourguns.ca, sign that petition. We're going to be sending that to Bill Blair, the loser that replaced Ralph Goodell. Yeah, the guy who oversaw the explosion of gun violence in Toronto has got all the answers <laughs> to deal with gun violence in the rest of the country. I, like you, am in the same boat. Um, uh, guns that I inherited from my dad. My dad passed when I was quite young. Um, one of my fondest memories is shooting gophers with him, sitting on the tailgate of his beat-up Ford Courier. And I want to be able to give that to my daughter, um, who's the marksman of the family. And um, if Justin Trudeau has his way... That's not going to happen. Um, yeah. I'm going to have to sell my family heirloom to Justin Trudeau so that it can be destroyed. And uh, I'm so proud of you for fighting back because if you and I are in this boat, thousands upon thousands of other Canadians are going to be suffering the same sort of losses. And it's not a financial loss. Yeah, it sort of sucks. Um, but it is, um, it's your family history that Justin Trudeau is going to strip from us. So, um, yes, that's at handsoffourguns.ca. Uh, Kian, You've been very generous with your time, and I want to thank you for coming on the show. I will make sure you come on the show more frequently rather than allow the viewers to demand it of me <laughs> and badger me into doing it. But I know you have a lot of work um, to get out there and do. Um, you're busy holding the government to account and uh, our, our media friends to account also. So thank you very much, Kian. No problem. This was fun. Let's do it again. If anything, the new age of the coronavirus has really demonstrated just how riddled with hypocrisy left-wing ideology tends to be. I mean, if you needed more proof of that, and you should not have needed more proof of that. But let me explain. The very same people engaged in large-scale mass protesting or exhibiting support for the large-scale mass protesting this week in Toronto were the very same people expressing outrage because a bunch of normal people wanted to use a city park last week and things then got a little too crowded. Dr. Teresa Tam, Canada's public health officer, encouraged prohibitions on people attending their churches and Easter celebrations with their families, yet now she's giving her endorsement for people to attend large-scale protests. Just don't speak moistly, you see. Either the public health emergency caused by the coronavirus wasn't the emergency that they thought it was and that they told us it was, or they actually think that this is an emergency, but their cause of the day makes them immune to the health implications. But these people can't have it both ways. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time in the same place next week. And remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think.